Morning, church. <clears throat> just while we're in worship, I just had a, I just had a small word, and the word is lead, and lead, and I do believe that there's a lot of people in leadership positions, and and wherever you are, whatever job you do, whatever wherever you are, it it just urges me to to tell you guys to start leading in those positions, to start leading wherever your guys are in that in that in whatever space you guys find yourself. And in 2019, um, towards, the, towards the end for 2020, I, I had a word out of jo- um, Joshua 1. And I just feel like it's urging me again to say, um, this is basically when, um, when Joshua took over from, from Moses. And he says, um, I promise you that, I promise you what I promised to Moses. Wherever you set your foot, you'll be on land, and I, um, the land I've given you. Um, and then basically, if a little bit later, it says there, be strong and courageous, for, uh, for you are the one who have led these people to the promised land, to, to, promise, to possess all the land would I sw- uh, sworn to their ancestors, would I, uh, I would give you. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the instructions Moses gave you. Do not uh, deviate, deviate from it. Turn either, uh, yeah, turn either to the right or to the left. Then you will be successful in everything you do. So basically, study the word, listen to God, lead with the power of the power of the word in your heart. So, yeah. Very, very good. Thank you, Fricky. Um, am I coming through? Am I online? Welcome to everyone online. Thank you for joining us. And thank you for being here in the room. For those that are here, it's really, really good to be here. Uh, I know that it's freezing cold, but we put in the effort and here you are. Um, so today... Have we got a, there we go. That's what I'm talking about today. And it's, it's like that on purpose where it doesn't tell you. Today, I want to look at some powerful scriptures and give us an incredibly effective tool that can release, release the power of God in our lives. And at the same time, change our lives and the lives of the people around us forever. So I, I'm trusting that today God's going to unlock something in you. And really, it's going to be effective, I believe. Before I look at those scriptures, I just want to share a few stories, personal stories. Uh, when I was in school... Uh, a friend of mine, his mother phoned me and said, hi, I just wanted to know if you wanted to, to come overseas with us. We're going on a trip. We're going, uh, it was Egypt, Greece, and Israel. And they said, look, all expenses paid. Do you want to join us on this trip? So, you know, I, I was like, yes, absolutely. And I went to, we couldn't go to Egypt and Israel on the same trip because they have issues with each other, apparently. So we could only go to Greece, right? But when I was in Greece, I went to all these amazing tourist locations. We went skiing or I went snowboarding and skiing in Mount Parnassus. I had the most amazing time when I was in Greece. It was truly a life-changing experience for me. Then another time when I was in school in matric, a girl invited me to, to church, to a church. So she invited me to a church. So I went along to the church. And when I was at the church, somebody invited me to do the Alpha course. And, you know, I was like, I, I kind of had an idea of what Christianity was and thought that I was a Christian, so to speak, and and then I did Alpha, and my life was radically changed. I mean, Alpha really impacted me in the most amazing way. Like I said last week, people used to call me an alphaholic because I loved the Alpha course. I did Alpha so many times. Um, it, it impacted me in the best way it could. Some years later, another story. Um, I was invited to go to Bible college, 
And again, it radically impacted and changed my whole life. I made the most amazing friends. I got a good theological foundation. Um, I, I, God did an amazing inner healing. I remember bumping into a guy one day, and I said to him, what has Bible College done for you? And he put his hand on my chest, and he kind of drew a line. I was like, what are you doing? What is that about? And he says, God will transform me. He said, you'll change you from the inside out. And it absolutely turned my life upside down. Bible college was amazing. Now, these stories are linked together, and you'll see in a moment. Then a few years later, a friend of mine said to me, look, I'm going to the movies and um, at the pavilion with my life group. Would you like to join us? And at the time, I wasn't in that church, so I said, look, I'll come along. And I went along to the movies. And at the movies, I met this absolutely beautiful, like seriously, very beautiful young lady that looked like an angel. And when she saw me, obviously, she just couldn't take her eyes off me. Um, she, she was just spellbound. And then after hitting on me for some time, I eventually got her number. And, um, and 16 years of marriage, two children later, we're serving God together. Um, just a little, uh, amen, a little detour. A, a little little bit of a detour, uh, and I, I've shared this before. I remember sitting in the car next to Paula, and <laughs> so funny. Maybe it's not funny for the rest of us. Maybe I shouldn't be detouring. Um, and, and I'm sitting there, and I pour out my heart. I'm like, look, I really like you. I don't want to be like this on and off relationship thing. I really like you. And, and I'm just, I poured out my heart, showed her all my cards, was completely vulnerable. She's sitting next to me. Um, I don't know, I think I picked up from work or something like that because I wanted to try and get to know her and spend time with her. And I told her how much I wanted to be in a relationship and I saw this and that. And she sat next to me and it was dark and she said, I've got to go now. <laughs> and she got out the car and she closed the door. She didn't even look back. She didn't even wave. I saw her front door open and close. That was it. I was like... Talk about playing hard to get, right? Um, anyway, a few weeks later, she phoned me, and she invited me, and she invited me to go watch movies, and, you know, obviously, she was heart-stricken. Uh, um, the point is, for me, um, some of the most impactful, life-changing moments for me have happened in response to an invitation. My life has been transformed through people inviting me to different things. There are different types of invitations. You get uh, you get informal invitations. Someone will say, hey, do you want to come to a brow after church? Or we're having lunch, or we, we're going to the park. Do you want to come for a walk with us? So you get these informal invitations. Then you get these, a random invitation on, on email saying, hey, like, this is happening. Do you want to join us? Then you get formal invitations where someone will write in calligraphy or this fancy thing, and they'll put it in, a, in an envelope and post it to you, and you can get invited to a wedding or an anniversary. An invitation, it says something. It says, it says that we are including you in what we are doing. We want to include you. We want to invite you. You are welcome. And Jesus was the greatest inviter of all times. Jesus was incredible at inviting people. And he invites us out of purposelessness into purpose, out of darkness into light, out of fear into faith, out of hopelessness into hope, out of death into life. And what's amazing is Jesus so often invited people that no one else would have invited he invites the people that everyone else might have felt would have been rejected. And he's not saying, look, I'm excluding some. He's saying this. I want to make the point that everybody is included in the invitation that I'm making. Back in biblical days, there was a group of people called the Samaritans, right? And they were people that the Jewish people, they would go out of their way to avoid these people. They were the people that the Jewish people were rejecting. So they were the rejected people. 
Then in John 4, Jesus intentionally travels through Samaria. He could have got around, but he goes to the very people that have been rejected. And, and while he's there, he meets a woman who's at a well. And she's at the well at the time of day when no one else used to go to the well because it was the middle of the day. It was very hot. So Jesus was at the well. And this lady comes to the well. Everyone else would go early morning or late when it was cooler. This lady's at the well in the middle of the day. Why? Because she was rejected by the people that were being rejected by the Jews. She was the bottom tier of rejection. And then Jesus has an encounter with her at the well. And all of a sudden, he offers her more than just, hey, look, you know, could I have some water? He offers her living water, eternal life, and he invites her to something so much bigger than what she was part of. And she goes from there, and she becomes the greatest evangelist Samaria has ever seen, right? So God changes her life. In Luke 19, Jesus meets Zacchaeus. He's a vertically challenged tax collector, right? And Zacchaeus, he was a little guy, so what happens is Jesus is coming to town, and he can't see, so he climbs a tree so that he can see Jesus when Jesus comes past. And um, I've written here, Jesus was coming past. He couldn't see, so he climbed a tree, and that for me is poetry, okay? Um, Then Luke 19, guys, at least, at least, and we need to have a laugh sign. We need a laugh sign in our church. We, We need that. Luke 19, verse 5 to 7. It says, when Jesus reached the spot, is it up there? When Jesus reached the spot, what's amazing is Jesus knew exactly where to be, when to be there, who would be there. He looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay in your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. And the people saw this and began to mutter, has he, ha, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. Tax collectors in those days weren't as loved as tax collectors today, um, right? So, so today we welcome them, you know, and we want, um, anyone here work for SARS? Okay, no, I'm just joking, I'm just joking. Jesus, see, <laughs> the one person that works for SARS, <laughs> um, Jesus, right, he sees the people that other people would have rejected and he welcomes them. Think about the disciples. The disciples by default were rejected by the rabbis of the day. They didn't cut it. They weren't as religious enough to make the grade to be a rabbi, so therefore they had to go work for their fathers. Jesus takes those rejected people and uses them to take, turn the, the world upside down. Uh, Matthew 4, verse 18 and 19 says this. While walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Jesus invites them, and then he says this, now that I've invited you, I want you to go and invite others. He's very intentional, and he attaches the invitation, which we'll look at in a moment, to a purpose and a promise. For every single one of you, Jesus has an invitation, which is attached to purpose and promise. In Luke 5, Jesus invites Levi, another tax collector, who later is called Matthew, and this is what it says in verse 27 of Luke 5. Later, as Jesus left the town, he saw a tax collector named Levi sitting uh, at the tax collector's booth. Follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said to him. So Levi got up, left everything, and followed him. Later, Levi held a banquet in his home with Jesus as the guest of honor. Many of Levi's tax collectors and other guests also ate with him. So Jesus invites Matthew, and Matthew invites a whole lot of other people. It says this, and listen to this invitation that Jesus puts out to Philip. In John 1 verse 43, the next day Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, come and follow me. Jesus didn't see people for who they were. He saw people for who they were called to be, 
right? So he didn't say, I, 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 I want to invite you to what I'm doing based on where you've come from. He says, I want to invite you uh, based on where I'm going, where I want to take you. So Jesus looks into our world and he doesn't say, oh, well, you've got a bit of a dodgy background, so therefore you're not included. He says, I want to take you beyond where you've come from into something more significant. So Jesus invites all of us. And then he says, take the invitation beyond yourself and invite everybody that you know. Um, right? So, and he takes us out of what we were going through into purpose, into promise. Imagine Jesus said this, follow me and I'll make you rich and make sure you never, ever get sick again. And I'll give you fame and fortune. Right? And then you meet somebody who's got all of those things and they say, oh, no, no, it's from Jesus. We would go for Jesus because of its self-satisfying worldly things. But Jesus offers us so much more than this world has to offer. He says, what I'm taking you, the pr- purpose and a promise, it goes beyond this life into the life to come. It's far more significant than just saying, I'll keep you healthy and make you rich. Jesus' invitation is eternal. It's massive. Jesus invites us to so much more. In Matthew 4, verse 19, it says this, and he said to them, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. If you are invited, you are called to invite. Jesus said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. So Jesus says this, to know me, you need to make me known. And I know you think, oh, Tim, hold on, are you camping in this thing where we need to share our faith? Yes, and I will until Jesus returns, because we are all called to know Jesus and make Jesus known. Now that you know me, make me known. And one of the greatest forms of evangelism that I have discovered in ministry and seen through scripture is simply an invitation. You just invite somebody. God takes that invitation and does something with it. I could have said no to going to Greece. I didn't have to go. I could have said no to going to church when I was invited to church. I could have said, no, thank you. I don't want to do Alpha. I could have said, no, thank you. I don't feel like going to the movies. Yet every single one of those things radically changed my life. It was just a response to an invitation that came my way. So Jesus says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. I'm not a big fisherman, right? I don't actually, I don't fish at all. But from my observation, and you can tell me if I'm right or wrong, people that fish have a far bigger chance of catching fish than people that don't. Um, so I, I don't know if, that, if you will agree with my... The purpose of a fisherman is not to tell people that they're a fisherman. It's to catch fish, right? Otherwise, they're not a fisherman. They maybe used to be, but they're not. Um, and some people may be more skilled than others, yet anybody can fish. Some people are really skilled. I mean... Where's John Arnold's a springback fisherman, so he can teach you, and you can take you alongside, and he can teach you how to fish. Am I allowed to share that kind of? Am I allowed to share that, John Arnold, that you're a springback fisherman? No. Okay, no problem. Um, so, so, and and if we and if we don't know how to do it, we go alongside somebody who does know to do how to fish. Something else about fishing that you may have noticed is this: that it requires patience. The result may not always be instant, yet when they catch something, it's like it's always worth the wait. And all of a sudden, they do this with the fish that looks 15 times bigger, and then they get the camera out, and everyone celebrates, and every, you know, like, there's this excitement. And a fisherman that catches nothing today is that much more excited and motivated to catch something tomorrow. And if they do catch something today, they're so excited and want to celebrate, they want to do it again tomorrow, right? That's what fishing is. For us, every invitation is a line in the water. If you have no lines in the water, you will catch nothing. If you have a line in the water, there's a chance you'll catch 
a fish. And we are called to be fishing. We are called to be fish the men. How many of you right now have lines in the water? Right? We are not just called to follow Jesus. We are called to fish for Jesus. So look at the scripture again. It says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. The promise. God says, I will, says, I will make something of your life. Follow me and I will make your life count. I will give you purpose. Uh, When Jesus is our Lord, his promise is to transform our lives. And the purpose, what's the purpose? Fishers of men. I'm going to give you a purpose in this life. I'm going to give you eternal life. I'm going to make your life count. I'm going to give you abundant life. Why? So that you can tell people about me. It's the purpose of power, what I preached a few weeks ago. Uh, Romans 10 verse 13. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And if you are in the room and you've been in church for many years, but you haven't called on the name of the Lord, you need to call on the name of the Lord. Why? Because it's attached to a promise. You will be saved. Going to church doesn't save you. Responding to Jesus Christ, the Lordship of Jesus Christ saves you. But then it goes on to say this in Romans 10. But how can they call on him and, and, and save, to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him unless they have, I mean, sorry, and how can they believe in him if they have never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And then what we do is we add a, we add a, a word that doesn't belong there. The word is this, else. We say this, how can they believe unless someone else tells them? But God has given you your own sphere of influence. He's given you your own space. Only you work where you work. And if there's other people that work there, either they're joining you in the process or they need to hear the message. Right? We all have our own sphere of influence. An invitation is one of the most powerful forms of evangelism. John 1 verse 43. The next day Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found he found Philip and said to him, come follow me. The invitation is there. Philip was from Bethsaida, Andrew and Peter's hometown. Philip went to look for Nathaniel and told him, we have found the very person, actually he was found, but anyway, we have found the very person Moses and the prophets wrote about. His name is Jesus, the son of Joseph from Nazareth. So now Philip's been found. What's the first thing he does? He goes to find somebody else. So Jesus finds Philip. Philip finds Nathaniel. It says this in verse 46. Nazareth, exclaimed Nathaniel. Can anything good come from Nazareth? So what happens is Philip goes to Nathaniel. He invites him. The first thing Nathaniel does is he becomes critical, skeptical, and I don't think so. Thanks for the invitation, but what good can come from that town? Hey, I've met God. I know Jesus. Let me introduce you to Jesus. Ah, I'm a bit of a skeptic, right? But uh, Philip does, he, he, he handles the situation like we should handle the situation. When we tell people about Jesus and then they want to get all theological, this is, this is Philip's response to this question of who is Jesus. He says this, carrying on with that verse, come and see for yourself, Philip replied. I don't have the answers. I don't have a, cl- a clever theology. I don't know everything. Just come to church. And when you come to church and you don't know the answers, you can go and speak to the pastor. And then he can go and speak to his wife. And then we can find out what's going on, right? So we, all, all we have to do is all we have to do is invite somebody. All we have to do is throw out the invitation. Throw a line into the water. Then, so Nathaniel, he's like, now nah, he's been invited by Philip. He hasn't met Jesus yet. He doesn't know. But he goes along because he's been told to come and see. As they approach, Jesus said, now he has a genuine son of Israel, a man of complete integrity. How do you know about me? Nathaniel asked. 
Jesus replied, I could see you under the fig tree before Philip found you. Then Nathanael exclaimed, Rabbi, you are the son of God, the king of Israel. Who invited Nathanael? Philip. Who saved Nathanael? We invite people. Jesus saves them. We don't save anybody. We invite people to church. We invite people to Alpha. We invite people to our life group. We invite people to our home. Jesus saves them. Um, so, and no doubt, Nathaniel will be eternally grateful that he was invited by Philip. And Philip will be, you know, he'll be eternally grateful to Philip for inviting him and eternally grateful to Jesus for saving him. And you may be here today because somebody invited you. And you are the recipient of an invitation. And that invitation transforms your life. And therefore, they tell somebody who tells somebody else. An invitation can radically impact a life. Right? Those who know will show. Those who show will grow. Those who care will share. You know, it's easy to throw out something informal. But an invitation is personal. It says, join me. At the same time, I'm sure that some of you know what it's like. I know what it's like not to be invited. You know, when there's a party or an event or a thing happening and you are not invited, we know what that feels like. Imagine sitting at a banquet table with Jesus, feasting, and then people walk past that you didn't invite to the feast, even though Jesus told you to invite them. And I think to myself, there's no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. It's not a guilt thing. It's saying this. God says this, I invite you to the banquet. Now pay it forward. Go and invite other people. And then what we do is we say like, oh, what if they reject the invitations? We are called by God to make the invitation. How they respond to it is up to them. But so often we think, what if they reject my invitation? I'd rather say nothing. We, do we understand what that means if they don't respond to that invitation? Matthew 9 verse 35. Jesus traveled through the towns and villages of the area, teaching in the synagogues, announcing the good news about the kingdom. And he healed every kind of disease and illness. God is... So good. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless. That is our town outside of Jesus. Confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. He said to the the disciples, the harvest is great. And this word is true for us today. The harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send out more workers into the fields. There is more space at the banquet table and we have been given an invitation and we've been given a bunch of invitations and we've been told to go and hand them out. So we need to go and hand them out. Revelation 3 verse 20 says, look, I stand at the door and knock. Jesus is trying to get into people's lives. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and share a meal uh, together as friends. We are invited and our invitation needs to go beyond ourselves. We need to pay it forward. Uh, Today, Jesus invites all of us into purpose, into promise, into life, and we can accept or reject that invitation. Then he invites us to invite other people, and we can accept or reject that invitation. Uh, I just want, I want to share an, another story from school. When I was in school, my parents went through a horrible, actually it was my dad and my stepmother, so it was my dad's second marriage, but anyway, we, he went through a divorce, and we lived in a very big house in Everton. So it had two huge lounges. It was a very big house. And the house was now empty. So I said to my dad, look, uh, can I have a house party? And I wasn't as sanctified as I am now. A little bit less. Um, And I said to, uh, can I have a house party? And he said, yeah, whatever. Okay. Um, And I remember sitting down. I've got a little committee together at school. (laughs) I think I was, I can't remember, standard eight. And I said to to some friends, I said, "Let's, um, let's have a house party. 
So they said, okay, cool. When are we going to have it? What's the details of that? I said, okay, here's when we'll have it. Um, and then what happens is they said, okay, we'll take care of the marketing. So, so I mean, we're in school. So I remember the one day I'm walking through the school, a couple of weeks later, the party's coming up. I'm walking through school, and a, a, another kid that I've never seen before, don't know who he is, he says, oh, and he gives me an invitation. And he invites me to my own party. <laughs> and I was thinking, wow, that, that's, that's crazy. This thing's gotten a bit out of hand. And, and then I remember the party started at Hopper 6. I got home, I was out, I got home at Hopper 4. And, 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 and it said it was, they named it Timstock. I didn't even name it Timstock. It was Timstock and it was this. And then I arrived at my house at Hopper's 4. When I get home, there's a whole bunch of people at my house already. And the party only starts that night. And I went up to these people. I was like, hey, guys, the party only starts later. Where are you from? No, we, we, I lived in Everton. They know we're, we're from Maritzburg. They, they, they put posters up in other schools. I don't know how they got them there. So, so that night, we, had, we went and warned all the neighbors, don't, if you're a youth, don't do this unless it's for Jesus. Uh, and, and, and then th- that night we had, I'm not exaggerating, hundreds and hundreds of, of people there. There were hundreds and hundreds. Half my school was there, half of the rest of KZN school. It was a big party. And, and the point is this, you know, we, that was to a house party, the invitation to a house party. We've got an invitation to heaven, right? And all I did was created a space. One invitation led to another invitation. Then somebody got that invitation, multiplied it multiple times, then they put up a poster, and they invited other people, and they invited other people, and that thing came alive. Why? Because it was something for themselves. We have the presence of God in heaven. All we need to do is pay that invitation forward. You might give it to somebody who goes absolutely, gets filled and anointed by the Holy Spirit and takes that invitation to spaces we could never ever reach. And all of a sudden there are hundreds, thousands of people gathering. Why? Because you just gave out one invitation and God changed a life. So to make this easier, we are doing Alpha. And this is not, an, like, this is not a promo only for Alpha. This is because Alpha transforms lives and points people to Jesus. So we've got these things now. We, we've got them printed on paper because the glossy prints took too long. We are getting the glossy print printed, but for now we just got 200 of these, and we're going to print a few more thousand. So what we want to do is this: we I want you to take as many as you need of these invitations. If you live in a block of flats and there's 60 blocks, 60 flats, take 60, and then put it in every post box. Speak to whoever's in charge. If you work somewhere, put it on the counter. If you are in a school, then hand it out at school. Let's go big with the invitations. And if we go absolutely throughout town and we can, we can go, as many people, as many houses are in your road, take invitations. If we need more, we'll print more. If one person gets saved, was it all worth it? That's eternity in the presence of Almighty God. So let's go huge on these invitations. And you might be thinking, how can we get involved? So what are we going to hand these out? We're going to hand them, and then we can hand them out and take as many as you want. And if we run out, then we'll just get more. So don't just take one. And also, don't take a few and then just leave them at home. Every invitation is a line in the water. And if Jesus can use that, and that person responds, and they get saved, then what they do is they take a bunch of invitations, and they pay it forward again. And then Jesus comes back sooner, <laughs> which will be great. Um, so how can we get involved? Invite people. When you invite someone, you will release the power of God because the gospel backs up. I mean, the gospel is backed up by God's power. Right? So invite people. Uh, and we've got all these invitations. Number two, pray. Pray for our community. And it's amazing, just so that you know, we are running Alpha. And we're starting on the 25th, which is a Monday night. And then I got a call from another church in Toti um, saying, hi, just 
Tim, I just wanted to let you know we're also running Alpha in the same week that you're starting. I just want to let you know, so just, you know, that we didn't copy you or anything like that. And, and I said, so I think it's such a great confirmation that God wants to do something in this town. So if you can't join us on a Monday night, we can join them on a Wednesday night, right? But the point is this, that God wants to take the message of the good news of the gospel throughout our whole town. And we stand along the other churches, all of them that are sharing the gospel, and we support them. So it's not competing, it's not comparing. It's saying, may God's anointing be on everyone that's sharing the good news of the gospel, because they are for the king and his kingdom. So number one, invite people. Number two, pray. Number three, volunteer. Get involved. If you've done Alpha many times, you don't need to do it again. If you're in a life group, we're not asking you to, to, to close your life group and do Alpha. We're saying this. If you haven't done Alpha, do Alpha. And if you think that you can be helpful in running a table or being, you know, coordinating or being involved, um, please do so. Because we're going to need a lot of help. We, we're going to be giving out dinner. It's a free course. So it costs the church money, but it's an investment into the kingdom. So we're asking, if you are in the room and you haven't done Alpha or you haven't done it for a long time or you'd like to do it again or you'd like to invite a lot of friends and you want to be their group leader, please put your details down at the info desk. Um, so what we're going to do is, before we hand those out, I've got, I have got some family news to share. So um, yeah, God bless you for those that are joining us tonight. We will balance the camera out so I don't feel like I'm looking down. Thank you for joining us. Have a wonderful week. Uh, hopefully you can join us on Tuesday night for pre-meeting uh, and get some invitations. We will post them online too so we can go big on social media. God bless you. Amen. Are we, are we good? Um, I've got some family news to share. Um, and this is difficult news to share and I, I try not to choke up because it is hard. Um, in, our, in our church recently, we've, we've lost some people. Uh, we lost some people that, uh, that are dear to us and part of our church family. Um, so Janet Byers went to be with Jesus, and um, she wasn't well. And Henry is here, and her memorial will be coming up, and we'll be confirming the details of, of that. Um, and then also Francois, Bonita's husband, went to be with Jesus a few days ago. And, and what's amazing is that both of these people that have lost loved ones... Sorry, guys. But they knew Jesus. They knew Jesus. And because they knew Jesus, where are they now? They, they are fully alive in heaven, restored with the Father. But what hope is there for those that don't know Jesus? So when we do these kind of things and we hand out invitations and all that, it's so that people can have a life filled with hope. Not just so they can sit in a Christian room, feel like a good Christians because they go to church, but they come alive. So I want to take a moment just to pray for you and, and, and Bonita, just to pray for you and your family. So let's, let's, if you're around those people, you can, you know who they are, you can stretch out your hands. Lord Jesus, we, I thank you that you're a living God. And because of who you are, Lord Jesus, we have eternal life. I thank you, Lord Jesus, that Janet was invited by you into the, king, into the kingdom. That she's restored and healthy and whole. I thank you, Lord Jesus, that your arms are around Henry, Lord that you support him, that you carry him through this, Lord Jesus. Because of the truth of the gospel, because of scripture, we know that we can have peace despite the storms. A peace which transcends understanding. Lord, I, I pray for Bonita and her family now, Lord Jesus. It's a shock. It's hard to believe. But Lord, your word says that, that the sting of death has been removed because of the, the power of sin is broken over our lives, because of the truth of the gospel. I pray, Lord Jesus, that we will not as a church sit in a holy huddle just taking care of ourselves, but we will love those who are suffering and we will reach those that need hope, that are lost and running around in darkness. 
I thank you for this church. I thank you that we will be so alive when it comes to worship. And we'll be so alive when it comes to sharing our faith. May your anointing be on every person in this room. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.